You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Canes Train Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's Thursday. You knew that. The Hurricanes, well, we got a win to talk about. We got a loss to talk about. But three points out of two games, I would say, in most cases, you will, uh, you'll take that. You'll take that, right? You know what else you could take at any given time? Some money, right? Well... You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Really, really easy. You just pick people, man, you put them out there, and you win some money with them. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. I gotta tell you, sports are way more fun to watch when you when you got a little something something on the line. You know, and just get your adrenaline pumping. DraftKings has paid out over seven billion dollars. Is that a lot of money? Hey, yeah, that's a lot of money to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. So you can get in on that. Ooh, tried to be slick and forgot how to speak. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free deposit, or sorry, a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So, Canes, 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 baby. Um, three more points. I'll talk about both games here. Uh, the win against Columbus with like a billion goals. Uh, I thought it was a really good performance. Team just clicking offensively right now. And then the uh, overtime loss to uh, Florida. A few things to unpack there. But uh, I'm not going to be able to unpack, unpack anything at all until I unpack this. Uh, um... E- Yikes. This is Off the Rails. Yeah. So, I'm sure if you are in the social media world, um, you've seen this. But, maybe you're not in the social media world, and you haven't seen it. Um, well, this is, what I'm going to play for you is a, uh, a cameo video from Gilbert Gottfried, who like, where did he go, man? Um, so a Canes fan at, did this, paid for this cameo and basically gave him a script to read. And like, there's no, I just, this is fantastic. Listen to it right here. This is Gilbert Gottfried. And I just want to say North Carolina, come and raise up. That's a motherfucker. 
fucking canes. Let's go, boys. Two more motherfucking points in the bag. We are the fucking best. No fucking cap. Rod the Bot is getting us another motherfucking cup. Top titty bar down. That's how it fucking is. Dude. Oh my god. So many great moments. And hey, if you're wondering what those great moments are, well, well, two more motherfucking points. No fucking cap. I got them all, baby. The and my personal favorite. Top titty bar down. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. Oh my god, what a script. I just love it all. I like this one a lot too. No fucking because I just love introducing like slang. I don't know. I just think it's so great. Um, <laughs> just a really, really good idea. Oh my god. I love it so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. The internet for being a thing. Uh, that's so great. Well, uh, let's move Let's move real quick. And now I can use all these drops. I'm like, oh, am I going to use them? Hell fucking yeah, I am. Um, so the Hurricanes... Battled against the Columbus Blue Jackets um, and uh, won 7 3 and uh, picked up. Two more motherfucking points. That's right. Rod the <laughs> didn't, mean, didn't mean to click that one. But that's fine. Rod the Bod can always get inserted, and it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, the Hurricanes look like a pretty damn good offensive team right now. No fucking cap. 100%. No cap at all on that. Um,. Yeah, the, the, the Canes are scoring goals. And, you know, fast-forwarding into the future beyond that game, four different guys have seven goals right now, and then I think two have six. And that's pretty wild. Uh, and, hey, guess who the four guys are that have seven? Vincent Trocek. I mean, you, you maybe could have guessed that one. That's probably the highest odds going into the season, right, of a guy that would have seven through, uh, what have we played now, 14 games? Um, so, you know, okay, sure, you can have that one, but what about the others being Brock McGinn, awesome, Nino Niederreiter, huge bounce back, Jordan Stahl, unreal, um, all those guys have been playing really, really well, um, honestly, the Columbus game didn't start out great, um, but you could just kind of feel that there wasn't really any, like, there wasn't really any fear in the, uh, in the air, you know, you just had the feeling that like the hurricanes could come back and they did and they did big time. Um, I got a couple things to talk about here. I want to start with, uh, the, I just, I, I talk about this a lot, but man, one more time, I got to say something about offside reviews. They drive me so insane. We don't need off side reviews no fucking cap we just don't okay it's stupid it's it's absurd how minute of details we analyze with video just get rid of linesmen then just ditch the linesmen what the offside review is supposed to be used for is like blatant blatant offside okay and you can tell when a play is like mm, 
feel like that could have been offside. And you know what they could do? Just like fucking football does is after every scoring play, they can do a quick check of the video, watch the goal once or twice just to make sure nothing crazy happened. And then guess what? It's a fucking goal. We're going to sit here and look at, oh, I don't know. Also, the footage, dude, the evidence we use for these, it's filmed on a fucking potato. You can't see shit. You can't see anything. Like, the, it's so grainy when you zoom in at that high of speed that, you know, we're, we're arguing, oh, Sebastian Ajo is the edge of his skate blade over this imaginary line. Like, I don't fucking know. And neither do you for sure. All you know is what it looks like. And the fact that, like, three plays, I feel like, were either really close to offside, like, either looked at getting reviewed or got reviewed. Um, you know what it proves... And you know what else it proves? Because Fogel was definitely offside. I thought he was, and I'll get to that one because I think it's I think it's crazy how little it ended up impacting the play. <laughs> like they turned it back over. Um, but the 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 call where Fogel's offside, right, with the with the uh, Tara Vinen goal or what he thought was going to be his first goal of the season. The linesman is literally, I mean, he is inches from Fogel. He is right there. He has the best view you could ever, ever ask for. And this is a guy whose job it is to call offside on every every play that passes that blue line, okay? So this is supposed to be the go-to authority in, in what is or isn't offside in real time. Uh, Warren Fogel's right in front of him. There's no one in between the two of them. And he says it's fine. Obviously, he was wrong because it was offside, for sure. But the fact that he called that play onside is proof of what I've thought for a long time is that most offside calls, yes or no, for the linesman, are guesses. Maybe not most, but a really, really good amount are so close in that speed that there's you don't know for sure. It's a guess. It is a guess. Like, it just is. It's the same thing with uh, touchdowns in football when the ref is all the way down on the on the sideline and there's like 30 people and the ball like kind of gets forward and it's who knows if it's over the goal line or not. It was like so close. There's no way you could ever tell. And there's like 10 people in a pile and the ref runs o- hasn't made a call yet, runs over, gets people off. To, like it doesn't matter. Any- like call it. Whatever you thought it was, call it because you can't see it anymore. It's over. Like, he's been down, so he runs over, digs the guys out, and then in that process, it's like, what do I call, what do I call, what do I-? and then he does whatever, it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a guess, and, and that's what a lot of these calls are. They're so close, it's a guess. But, like, that's, that's just sports, dude. If you're going to have officials, you know, if you're going to have people officiating, like, you're going to have some close calls that they, they just take a guess at, and, like, I mean, you know, I don't, the officials do their best. I'm not here to, like, say that they're, they don't mess up like they do, but they do their best. It's it's tough to do. Um, like you couldn't do it, <laughs> you know. You wouldn't do better than they would. It's it's really a hard sport to to officiate. Uh, it's really high speed. There's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of stuff you have to watch for. Um, so you know, I just think that if we're gonna be okay with that on every play, it's just. Do you know how many plays are probably offside a game that don't get called, and there's just no goal on it, so we don't worry about it. Should we go back and double check every single one and then and then say, oh, well, they got, you know, this, they got a power play right after that. So 
they should, the power play should go away because none of that should count. Like, how far do you want to go with this? Because in principle, if you're not, if you wouldn't be okay with that, why are we doing this? It should be after after every goal scored, someone should be watching the replay on a monitor once or twice in real time. I would have been able, I could tell you when that play happened when I was watching it on TV. That like, eesh, that looked offside to me. And I always keep note of those in my head. Because I go, if they score, if we score here, I'm going to be pissed because I bet you it comes back for offside. And you know what I forgot about? The fact that that happened. Because you know when the goal was scored? 17 minutes later. Like, that's the other part of that play is that that offside had no bearing on that play. So it's just like, why are we introducing these replays just for, it becomes like a mini game inside the game. Like, oh, how, how much attention can your video coach pay? I mean, Columbus has reviewed like... Four offside calls against the Hurricanes this season. I mean, someone's just watching these plays over and over again and trying to catch them. Like, it's... If we did that on every play, I mean, there'd be so many we could come back and, and scrutinize and, you know? It's the same thing with, with so many things. Like, I just don't see the point. If you're gonna... If you want it to be that tight and that accurate, then just replace the fucking referees with some sort of digital tracking system at the blue line. The technology exists, you know? We have chips in all these guys. We know who's who. We have those trackers that could tell you how fast the guy's going, you know? The technology certainly exists to say whether or not the puck or an opposing player cross the or, or you know, a, a player without the puck cross the line first. It exists. But it's dumb. It would be stupid. And so it's stupid to, to argue over, oh, was this guy's skate blade a half inch over or not? It doesn't impact the play at all. You could argue that when Fogel went offside there, if that would have scored right off that rush, that that could have impacted that play because he was pretty offside and he got a step on his guy because of it. I could understand that one. But again, that's one I feel like you could just catch right after it, it they scored. But when that much time goes by and then like different people are on the ice and like Columbus has touched the puck at this point, you know what I mean? Like you, you didn't get scored on on the, the rush that came in and then you had a chance to get it out. You didn't. We pinned you in and then we scored. I think we deserve the goal. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because it's the Hurricanes. I really, truly, I fucking hate offside reviews. When the other team, get, when we review other people, I'm like, well, I mean, I hope it comes back because I want us to win, but I think this is really stupid that this is a thing. So that's my thought on offside reviews. Um, I'm sure many of you disagree with me, and that's fine because people are going to disagree with me all the time, and uh, I'm still right. So. No fucking cap. Um, well... No, I mean, all you can really take from that game is that uh, Tara Vine is back. Killed it that game. Um, Ahu continues to play really well, I think. Brock McGinn. Um, all you haters, man. Brock's got some skills. I've been telling. I've been saying it. I've been saying Brock McGinn has sneaky skills. You guys just make fun of him because he hits the post so much. Um, he's a good player, man. He's a good player. He's, uh, he's improving his stock. I'm interested to see what this does to his next contract. Uh, I feel like it might be a bit inflated. It's going to be difficult to uh, get Brock McGinn on a value contract if he continues on this pace. But hey, I, that's a problem for years down the road, right? I'm not worried about that right now. Um, so the Hurricanes just keep racking up goals. Um, Cedric Paquette in his first game, I thought he played well. I thought he made an impact. I thought the fourth line was able to play a lot. Uh, pretty much everybody played low minutes for what they, uh, except for the fourth line, I guess. Like everyone played closer to even minutes than normal uh and and seven goals scored so 
If that doesn't tell you, you know, that the lineup is playing great, I don't know what does. It was it was a it was a solid performance. Uh, the guys got to a great game in the second period where they were not only getting you know lots of goals, but they were not giving Columbus anything. Columbus gave up a lot of chances in that game. Uh, like honestly, the Hurricanes probably could have had nine or ten goals. <laughs> um, so there you go. A little bit of sloppy pay, play early in the first, but I thought they corrected it in the second um, and then continued scoring throughout the rest of the game. So it didn't really matter what they were doing in their D zone after that. You know. A good game, a fun one to watch, and you'll always take a seven-goal victory. Um, And then the Hurricanes take on the Florida Panthers, and, uh, you know, uh, we lose, but at least we can say... I'm not a cat. That's the only time I can think of that drop making sense in this podcast. Uh, I'll probably just use it randomly for no reason. But uh, the, the Panthers game, it was a great start. The first period was phenomenal. Uh, The Canes dominated everything. I'll actually pull up as I, as I... Go through that first period. I'll pull up the natural stat trick, um, and we'll look at the Hurricanes' first period performance because I have a feeling that the um, the uh, stats are going to tell what I am picturing, and and I'm already seeing it. Uh, Hurricanes' Corsi percentage, which is shot attempts uh, for versus shot attempts against, kind of like faceoff percentage, but with shot attempts, sixty five point seven nine percent, which is dominant. That is definitely into the hey, we did everything category. Sixteen scoring chances to five. For 76% of the scoring chances and eight to two high danger scoring chances. Or if you're bad at math, that would be 80%. 1.35 expected goals forced and only 0.52 given up. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh that is pretty, pretty good. Honestly, in the second period, the same the same stats apply. Um the second period was a weird one for me. Um but before we talk about the second period, let's talk about those goals, man. First of all, Jordan freaking stall. And I'm so glad we have this drop because there's no better way to describe Jordan Stahl's shot than Top Titty Bar Down. I mean, it was beautiful. Beautiful. What a shot. This man is just feeling it. Have you ever seen Jordan Stahl uh make a play like that? So confident. Like he's just feel he's feeling it. You can tell when guys are just confident and they're like, I'll do anything. I'm going barred on every shot. That was that was beautiful. Jordan Stahl. Top titty bar down. Um, and then right after that, a really nice play from Pesci to get a, a shot through perfectly. And Sebastian Ajo with a really nice tip and tucks it just inside the bar. It was a really good way to end the first period. Honestly, they could have scored more goals in that period. Um, but I think two is reasonable. <laughs> Two I've gotten out of that out of that one. Um, really good performance in the first. The second period was weird. Uh, I thought I thought that um, the Hurricanes didn't seem quite as dangerous, and you can see that reflected in the scoring chances. They still registered ten to six for Florida uh, and four, and they actually gave up zero high danger chances um, in the second period. Uh, so you know, it was kind of a Hurricanes cooled off a little bit, period. You know? Like, it wasn't bad. They didn't play bad, I didn't think. I didn't think they played bad the whole game, really. I just think that there was moments where, uh, you know, it wasn't quite good enough. And Florida, look, Florida's pretty damn good this year. So uh, you got to you gotta tip your cap to the, you know, Alec Campbell and I talked about this a little bit a, a week or so ago. Uh, the other team's pretty good, too. And the other team's trying to win, just like you are. So uh, 
sometimes it's okay to give credit to the other team for just being good also. Like, you're not going to dominate an entire game. So when another team makes a good play or something, like, sometimes it's okay to be like, yeah, we messed up, but, like, the other team, that was good. That was a nice play. Um, so I thought the Hurricanes cooled off a little bit and Florida started to kind of begin to take over the game. Um, you know, the Hurricanes also got into, got into um, penalty trouble for sure. Um, and if you look at the... Um, if you look at the, uh, f- this is where it comes in. That's where the difference was on the power play. If you look at um, the scoring chances, it turns from, what did I say, 10 to 6 to 11 to 10 in favor of the Hurricanes in the second period because they were on the penalty kill for a little bit. So, yeah. Can't can't take all those penalties. Um, you know, it just, it ruins the flow of the game. You go from a dominant first period, you can't, you, you have to keep it five on five or better. You know, you have to keep that going. You can't you can't ruin the flow of your game by taking penalties. I feel like that happens to the Hurricanes a decent amount. And then the third period was not great. Um, you know, I thought that Florida really started to, to take over um, and get the majority of the chances. And you can, again, penalties. Uh, 14-7 scoring chances for the Panthers in that period. 25-14 um, to 14 Corsi shot attempts in that period. Um yeah, not a great, not a great period stat-wise for the Hurricanes, um, and Florida ends up taking the lead, and then the Hurricanes tie it. That third goal for Florida. I mean, the first two, Huberdo, snipe, snipe on the first one, snipe city, absolute sniz. He actually on that one, Huberdo went. Top TD bar down. So that's two. Top TD bar. In one game. No fucking cap. That's pretty nice. There was some highlight real stuff going on in this game. Um, so, you know, some skilled plays by Florida, but the Hurricanes also made some not great decisions like getting caught on, and, you know, defenseman pinching, getting caught, can't get back. I mean, it was a beautiful pass by, uh, it was a beautiful pass by Huberto on that second goal. It really was. That's one where I'm, I'm happy to tip my cap to him. He had a really good game. He was the best player on the ice. Um, but you got to get back. You you can't make that play in that situation when you're up like that. You just can't. And then the third goal happened. And that's where it was like, oh, that one's going to hurt us. And hurt it did. Uh, it really did hurt. I, uh, this is, this is where the, the, the time has come to talk about, uh, Alex Tadelkovich. And uh, a lot of you are going to be like, this is just a, <laughs> this is a phenomenon that I don't get. I've talked about it a lot of times before, and it's a Hurricanes fan base thing, and I do not understand it, and I will never understand it. Like, I think I know the reason for it, but now that that's not around, like, I don't get it anymore. I don't, I don't, and I will never understand why a lot of Hurricanes fans think that every prospect that shows any level of promise is just a guaranteed, you know, all-star player in the NHL, and also that we should be moving mountains to put them on the NHL roster when they have zero NHL experience. It's just a thing that I don't, you know... I know what it's from. It's leftover. It's leftover. Uh, like um, 
it's leftover like mentality from when the team was bad and it was like whatever call up call everybody up maybe the maybe the solutions on the AHL roster you never know the next superstar you take risk you're like what it doesn't no, we can't get any worse so might as well see if you know this guy can be good and sometimes it works out you know sometimes Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci happen but Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci were also developing for a bit and no no one was calling for them to come up that that wasn't like you know really paying attention to the Hurricanes prospect. Um, had an Austin Powers moment right there. Um, you know, the Hurricanes fans have done this with Hayden Flurry. Everyone wants Hayden Flurry to be like our number two defenseman. Like, I'll be honest with you, Hayden Flurry hasn't hasn't really impressed me this season. And it went back to what I said. Like, I, I have a lot of respect for what he was able to do. I saw the game he was able to get to. Um, in stretches last season, especially after Hamilton went out, and I'm really proud of him for that, and I think that he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for how well he played. Uh, I think that he was, you know, definitely in the discussion for, you know, top four best defensemen at the, you know, in the last stretch of the season last year. Um, but you you got to do it for longer than that. You can't just be good for, you know, 15, 20 games, and all of a sudden you've made your career. No, you if you want to establish yourself for real, then you need to have an extended period of success at the NHL level. Uh, and hey, like Hayden Fleury just has not had that yet. This isn't even a discussion about Hayden Fleury. This is just an example. I, you know, he's been fine. Like, I don't think he's been bad, but I don't think he's been great. I don't think he's been the level that he was last year. Uh, and I think that's why you see him out of the lineup. So... You know, Jake Bean comes in, another person. People want Jake Bean to start every game, too. Like, we only have so many defensemen. Who are you pulling out? And how is it not Flurry? How is Flurry not the first one to come out of this defensive line? Like, who are you pulling? People are like, I love to see Jake Bean get the start, but Hayden Flurry should never be scratched. Like, then who? Who are you scratching for Jake Bean to come up? Which one of these guys? Which one of these guys? You know? A lot of you probably want to say Jake Gardner. I think Jake Gardner's been pretty good, except for that overtime turnover, which we'll get to. But, like, who do you take out? Brady Shea? He's been pretty good. You're not taking out Dougie Hamilton, Brett Pesci, or Jacob Slavin. That's for damn sure. So who is left? Oh, it's almost like the two guys with the least established NHL careers would be the two that you would consider swapping in the lineup. I mean, you guys don't give enough respect. No fucking because this man knows what he knows what he's doing with the lineup. The, the 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 people in charge know that when you're a good team, you develop your prospects, you give them time to grow, you try to work them in once they prove that they're elevating their game to the level, but you don't force them in. It's pointless. It's so pointless to force prospects into a lineup of a team that's already good. We don't need to call up the next guy. The the call up should be a replacement of people right now. We don't need to bring someone up, you know? If if Suzuki or Jarvis like just go off this year at the AHL level and they're like, you know, they got by in three weeks they've got like twenty goals. I mean, that would maybe be. But you 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 don't just go, oh, put them in the NHL right now. Because we don't we don't need to take risks. We're already doing good. So like you just don't do it. It's not what you do. So back to Ned. Everyone wants Ned to be, you know, this this 
starting goalie, who the goalie of the future, and I I get why. It's because the Hurricanes had goaltending problems forever. Ned was kind of touted for a long time as this guy with tons of potential. He was going to be the goalie of the future. Everyone got that in their fucking head because it was preached, and with zero proof of anything, everyone just decided, oh, Alex Nedeljkovic is the goalie of the future for the Hurricanes. He's going to be a franchise goalie. Okay, cool. That will be amazing if it happens. Again, rooting for it to happen. I want him to do so well. I want him to have the greatest career that he could imagine, okay? But you can't will it into existence. It has to happen on its own. So, I mean, like, I just don't get why we try to force Ned to be a better goalie than he's performed. I just, it really, it really pisses me off that I look on social media and I see the same people that just relentlessly just would go after Cam Ward. He's the worst, he's, he's terrible, he's this, he's that. When the reality of it is, like, Cam Ward got worn out because we had to play him for 70 games a season and he carried that. He carried mediocre teams into even having a chance at maybe coming close to sniffing a playoff spot. He was he was the only reason in a lot of games that the Hurricanes even had a chance. He had several seasons in a row where he was really, really good, and you didn't see it in the stats or anything if that's what you're looking at to great goalies, which goalie stats are stupid. Watch the game, and you can usually tell how well a goalie plays. The stats mean nothing. If he stops, If he stops 8 out of 10 shots but two of them were breakaways, and eight of them were like, he had to dive and make these amazing saves, then isn't that a good game? Oh, no, 800 save percentage. It's not good. Stupid. So stupid stat. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm upset. I'm passionate about this one, you know? Um, I, I just, you know, Ned hasn't gotten a chance to do that yet, but again, it's the same situation. Why would you force Ned into the lineup Mirazik and Reimer were doing fine. <clears throat> so Ned comes up out of necessity, which is great. Like, yeah, of course. Of course he's the guy to come up. Of course. You would never think of anyone else being in that spot. And of course he has to play. Yeah. Duh. And I don't think Reimer's been great lately. You know? I think that I think that the starting a bunch of games, is start, I don't think that that's... James Reimer can't do that really successfully in long term. I just don't think so. Um, so... You know, you, you got to start Ned, and that's that's great. And I think, for the most part, he's done well. I really do. But he he hasn't, he hasn't like, taken over games. He's just kind of done his job. Um, you know, he's had to face a bunch of breakaways, which, you know, he hasn't necessarily done great at, except for the shootout. Um, but, oh, like, overall, he's been fine. And tonight, that third goal, like, I don't... He played fine the rest of the game. I didn't think that he like had to do the most, but he made a he made you know three or four like solid saves. The rest of it I would consider routine saves. But if a guy's making all the routine saves, I would say he's having a good game. So give credit where credit is due. That third goal can't happen ever. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of game you've had. It doesn't matter. It can't happen. And it doesn't just automatically mean that he's you know had a terrible game, but like. It's costly, and when Cam Ward, if Cam Ward would have done that, I mean, you, you people would have been crucifying that man. And it just doesn't make sense why Ned gets this special treatment. Oh, because he's touted as the goalie of the future? Like, so far, it's not, it's not happening that way. So I don't know why we're still trying to force that. In my mind, Ned has the potential to be like a fringe NHL goalie. 
like a guy who could be a backup. That's what I've seen. It just is. Like, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't done any more than that. He's had some good games. He's had some not great games. I think in, he's been fine. Like, I would just consider fine. Just like James Reimer over the last few games has been fine. Hasn't been great, but hasn't been, like, bad enough to lose you the game. And I don't think Nedeljkovic lost the Hurricanes the game tonight at all. But that third goal can't happen. And I just think it's wild how the same people could judge two different goalies that differently. Like, what do you? what's going on in your brain that makes you criticize people differently? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, you know? And that's just my rant. No fucking cap. Because we don't have caps around here. You know? Uh, I would have loved to see the Hurricanes get... More motherfucking points. But they pick up one, and I think that that's all right. Uh, in overtime, hey, guys, I'm talking to the players here. I know that you love your teammates. I know that you want to make cool things happen for your teammates. The storybook ending is always cool, right? Let's just win the fucking game. Jake Gardner, you don't need to try to force a pass through two guys to Vincent Trocek because that was a, as soon as Trocek handed the puck off and made a beeline for the for the offensive zone at full speed, everyone in the building, there's no one in there, but everyone watching, if you knew what you were watching, knew this is their intention to go to Trocek. And Alexander Barkov is a very, very good two-way player, and he was on him the whole time. Never was there a lane to go to, to, go to Trocek. Never. But that's what the Hurricanes wanted to do because they wanted Vincent Trocek to score and win the game against his old team because it would have been a cool ending. Just like Sebastian Ajo tried to force the puck to Tevo Teravainen um, against the Stars to score an empty netter, turns it over, and then we get scored on. It's the same thing. Don't do those things. Just win the game. Let's just focus on winning the game. However it happens, it happens. If it's a storybook ending, cool. I think Vincent Trocek would take a win over two goals in that game. I think he would, you know? Speaking for him, but uh, I'm pretty confident in that one, that he would take the win over over a goal there. So there was no need for Gardner to force that pass. As soon as I saw him pick it off, I went, oh, nope, that wasn't the play. And you cannot turn the puck over in three-on-three because it will. Oh, it's guaranteed. That's the whole point of three-on-three. It's guaranteed if you turn the puck over, it's odd man rush, and this one was a one-on-zero breakaway. And when you saw that it was Jonathan Huberdeau, the game he was having, there's no way that man wasn't scoring. So hats off to the Panthers. You know, Huberdeau was phenomenal. He was really, really good. Um, Drieger was was good in net, um, and uh, the Hur- I don't think the Hurricanes played bad. I just think that it wasn't quite enough against a really good team, and uh, the third goal didn't help. And uh, a couple of you know bonehead decisions the Hurricanes defensemen made didn't help. So uh, you know the little mistakes, the little mistakes will get you against good teams. Uh, that if that's any team that's not you know top of the division, uh, the Hurricanes probably pull that win off. You know. They just do. But the Florida Panthers are good this year. And uh, to beat them, you're going to have to make very few mistakes and capitalize on the mistakes that they make and, you know, minimize the damage on your own mistakes. And tonight, the Hurricanes had a couple mistakes come back to bite them in addition to a goal that just can't go in. And that's that's that. That's the game. And, uh, you know, it happens. And we move on. Hurricanes still get a point. They still are, are in 10-3-1. Who's going to complain about 10-3-1? Not me. Not this guy. Um, keep winning. Keep winning and they'll be fine. I mean, that's all it is. So I'm wrapping this guy up. Um, 
appreciate you listening. Um, so happy we got these drops, dude. No fucking cap. I love it. I love all of them. I'm not a cat. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's drop appreciation day. Um, there we go. Hopefully, uh, next time out, the hurricanes get. I'm going to have to rate this one, like, extra explicit. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Sign up at DraftKings. Promo code THPN. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Later.